Harvest Australia Church podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. I want to pray before I start. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, your love and your power. Lord, we pray today that we would hear from you, that you would speak to us, that you would shape us and change us, empower us to be more like you. Lord, to release your love and power in this community and beyond. Lord, I pray that you would come by your presence this morning, that you would fill us, fill this place. Lord, that we would know that we've met with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start in Titus chapter 3. I don't know if I've ever read Titus in a sermon before, but Titus chapter 3, uh, starting at verse 4. It's actually a great little book. Titus chapter 3, starting at verse 4, says, But when the kindness of God our Saviour and His love for mankind appeared... He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. I love that explanation. By the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. I want to talk today about sanctification. It's a word we don't hear too much about. Maybe even in modern Christianity, some of these old terms, um, they get a a new version or they get a a new idea. But the, the message of sanctification is a very simple one. And it's one that we've probably all heard many times. But I want to bring about a few things, talk about a few things today that I think are really paramount in our lives as believers about ongoing sanctification. For me, there's two facets to sanctification, just like there is in some of the other uh, ideologies or theologies of Scripture, like even salvation. But with sanctification, let me just cover off the real meaning of sanctification. And there's a few meanings I looked up, but there's a couple that I really like. Um, The sort of uh, normal worldly meaning is the state of proper functioning. Interesting term. It's not a Christian term, but the state of proper functioning. So if we say something is sanctified, like this this, um, lectern pulpit is sanctified, if it's sanctified, then it's doing its job. It's sitting still, it's not moving around, and it's holding my iPhone. That's it's sanctified if it's doing its job. But if it's falling over and it's wobbling all over the place, it's unsanctified. And so the the term sanctified is is a very simple term on us knowing our proper state. And if we know our proper state in Christ, then we are sanctified. If we remain in that proper state, then we remain in a sanctified position. If we begin wobbling and doubting and sinning and doing other things, then we become unsanctified. Now, some may say, but if you're sanctified, you can never be unsanctified. I want to just explore that a little bit today because I think that we can often get caught up, 
caught up on extremes of statements and not really ex- explore the reality of it. So I want to do that today. A couple of other, uh, probably the more typical Christian uh, meaning for sanctification or being sanctified is to be set apart or made holy. To be set apart or made holy. That's, that's one I grew up hearing, I suppose, for being sanctified or sanctification is to be set apart. But if you look at the both, say, the, the, the Wikipedia version and the Christian version, it actually means we're meant to be set apart in our proper state. And when we realize that, we actually have a posture of remaining in that place, not just a one-time experiences of being born again and sanctified and justified and made righteous, but actually living in that state, remaining in that proper state. And so... I want to, actually, I want to read a great quote that, that I thought, and a lot of you would have heard Joyce Meyer before, but she says this, you can have Jesus in your spirit and have an outrageous mess in your soul. And as you know, Joyce Meyer is very bold in her statements, isn't she? But it's true. It's absolutely true. We can be born again, saved, going to heaven, living with Jesus and be a total mess have doubts and fears and sin and all sorts of chaos going on in our lives. So the the part about remaining in our proper state, remaining in a sanctified state, is a journey of discipline and a journey of love and a journey of growing in maturity in Christ. If we leave it all at the altar, so to speak, of being saved and justified and cleansed and washed, then we've only just begun the journey. So maturing in the journey is to live a sanctified life, to live in our proper state. You and I were created to live in a sanctified place, in our proper place. That's our place of gifting. That's our place of our calling. That's our place of what we're good at. That's our place of passion. It's our place of where God has got an anointing on our lives. And it doesn't mean there won't be troubles and trials, but it means that we will have the sanctification or the proper state to be able to walk through that journey. Um, It's often a question that comes up when we face opposition we can often question whether we're in the right place or whether we're doing the right things. But that's that's the point where we actually learn what is our proper state. What is my sanctified state? What is my calling? What is my destiny? What am I good at? What am I terrible at? And we actually distill down into what is my God gifting? What is my God anointing? And through that process of sanctification, we learn our proper state, we learn our anointing, our gifting and our talents. And so it can be a powerful thing. The enemy can put it against us when, when we are aware of our unsanctifiedness, which is not a word, if we are become aware of our sin and our limits and our faults and our failures, the enemy can compound that with anxiety and stress and fear and guilt. And he wants to put condemnation on us. And that's why it's great singing songs like this morning, because we remember that the enemy trembles in fear at the name of Jesus. 
He does not like it. You can see him in Australia right now through a few little voices. He's trembling right now. And um, it's so, isn't it great to be a believer right now to see the Christian response? I mean, it's just fantastic to see, you know, the ACL and guys like that. I mean, they're just being so honoring, but they're being slammed all across Australia. And, you know, we just need to keep praying that Jesus will win this one. And, uh, and you know, it's... It's a whole nother story, isn't it? But be praying even this week. As you remember, just pray, you know, quickly and, uh, and just intentionally for this vote to be a big resounding no. And there's some good signals, isn't there? If you're looking, there's some good signs. Uh, the enemy's panicking. And so and everyone got that annoying text yesterday. So, you know, it's just, it's annoying. I just wrote back a big no, you know. <laughs> even if they don't get it, it's just a good feeling to do that, isn't it? Yeah. Here's a verse that I've memorized that, and hear me out, in the right way, it kind of haunts me, okay? 1 John 1.8. 1 John 1.8. It says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Or other versions say, if we think we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and don't know God. It's a very strong verse, and it, it probably could be taken, you know, almost as what used to be called worm theology. I'm a worm. I'm worse than everyone else, and, you know, beat me up, and, you know, and that's not where I'm going with that. But what I'm saying is this verse keeps me humble. It keeps me realizing that I have faults, I have failures, and I let God down, I let myself and others down. And so my reliance on him for ongoing sanctification is a daily thing. My reliance on him for justification is a daily thing. My reliance on him for righteousness is a daily thing. And these terminologies are, are, are kind of, um, sometimes they're seen as maybe even old school uh, terminologies, but they're daily things that when we recognize we need justification. We've been justified, but we're being justified. We, we've been sanctified when we get to know Jesus, but we're being sanctified. And so these ideas need to be a daily thing going through our mind. And when we're aware of these things daily, it keeps sin at bay. When we struggle with sin, we then need to become so close to the opposite to that, that we don't even give sin the time or the thought process or, or any open door. If we have areas that are coming down on us, because, I mean, this verse in and of itself, to be honest, I've memorized it, but I wish I haven't memorized it because I think of it all the time. If, if a man or a woman thinks they haven't sinned, they deceive themselves and don't even know God. It's such a strong thing. And it's interesting that I remember reading John Wesley. And in John Wesley's uh, early years of ministry, he was what was called a perfectionist. He preached perfectionism, that a Christian can attain to a state of perfectionism so much like Christ that they will not sin. Now, it's interesting that as you read Wesley's life, he had a shocking marriage, terrible marriage. So much so that he was basically separated from his wife. And 
he, he was off doing ministry all the time and he didn't listen to the counsel of his brother or other people around him. He chose to go into that marriage and he paid the price for it. It, it really affected him in a whole lot of ways. You can read about it in, in personal accounts of his life. And, um, and yet he had this theology that he preached about perfectionism, but his marriage was far from perfect and he was far from perfect. And so later in life, he changed his theology and he wasn't so strong on perfectionism. You can only preach perfectionism if you're just about to die or you've just been born. Because everywhere in between, you're going to see your own sin. And it's, it's, it's one of these areas that we need to be honest about. We don't celebrate it. We need to be honest about because when we bring something in the light, we can then allow his cross to wipe it out, to cancel it out. But if we keep it hidden, then it actually stays in an unsanctified place. It's not in its proper place. It needs to be brought out to be repented of and turned away from. And so it's, it's, it's kind of a refreshing thing to recognize that we are all sinners now, I won't go so far as uh, Jonathan Edwards, we're sinners in the hands of an angry God, but I love that sermon because, again, it brings a humility to our faith. It brings a humility to the fact that we are very, very small. We struggle with things in life and we need Jesus Christ to be our Saviour today, Yesterday, tomorrow, every single day, we will need Christ to be with us. That's why we love uh, St. Patrick's prayer, that Christ in us, Christ in front of us, behind us, right, left. We pray it almost every single day because we know we need Jesus Christ with us every single day. We need his protection. We need him to wash our minds. We need his forgiveness. We need his grace, his mercy, his power, his love, everything else. Because in and of myself, I'm not capable of those things. I know myself. You're probably better than me. Keith is. I know. He's just an amazing guy. But in and of myself, I know what I'm capable of. And so this is when I recall these scriptures and I go, I need Christ. I need to be in my proper place. I need his sanctifying power. I need his blood washing over me. I need his blood washing my mind, washing my memory. Some of you have had traumatic pasts. You, you, need, you, might, think, you might even feel bad sometimes for still thinking things and, and maybe going over experiences. And I want to say to you, being in your proper place or being in that sanctified place may require hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times of being washed in the blood of Jesus. If someone says to you, you know, you need to come to the altar and give it to Jesus and it's done, it's nailed, it's never think about it ever again. You know, it's so much easier to say that than actually do that. So that's when we need Jesus every single day, his sanctifying power, because he wants a holy people. If we're truly to be set apart and to be made holy, then there's going to be an ongoing renewing and increasing and improving of our faith in him, isn't there? It's not going to be the same as last year. Sometimes I do a bit of self-analysis and I have a look of where I am with the Lord now compared to five years ago. It can be a depressing thing if, you, if you've been on a downward spiral. But if you're walking with him and you're growing in him, then you look back and go, wow, 
I know him better than I did back then. I know his power and his grace and his love more than I did back then. I know I was stupid back then. I said things I shouldn't have said. Now you wouldn't say those same things. That's his sanctifying power. He's been bringing us through things so that he can clean us up and he can stretch us and grow us. Why? So he can trust us with more. And if he can trust us with more, then we have greater influence for the king. Greater influence for the king. I'm, I'm absolutely certain on this. He will not let us go. He will not let us go. Even if we want him to, he keeps pursuing us with annoying people who will preach the truth or say something to us or an uncle or a sister or a brother who rings us up and just makes that statement that we've heard already a few times and quickens our heart with the truth of the gospel. And it moves us to a place where we don't want to be, but we know it's right. We know it's right. Living in a sanctified place is to listen to the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit. It's just, it's, it, I mean, it's so quiet sometimes, it's just ridiculous. And, and you can miss him so easily, can't you? I find that, just miss him so easily and just move on to the next thing or move on to something and just... Just miss an opportunity. I wonder how many opportunities I've missed over my life. Maybe hundreds, maybe thousands. I don't know. But when we dial in and we tune in to that still small voice, he will bring us into sanctification. He'll bring us into our proper place. We will be set apart. We will be made holy. And just like David cried out, I often remember this prayer that David cried out, Give me a clean hands and a pure heart. And it's a, it's, a, it's a deep prayer because when you pray it, he might just do it. He might just do it. He might just challenge us about the inner workings of our heart. He may just challenge us about our responses, about our offences, our unforgiveness, our sin, hidden stuff that no one knows. He may just go to that place. Why? Because he wants to bring about a cleansing process through fire maybe so that you can be trusted with more, so that you can be given here on earth, not just in eternity because that's already sealed if we're in Christ, but here on earth so that he can, he can like the, the parable of the talents where he can trust us with more where we're not still just, you know, hovering over, just burying one little coin, but we're actually walking in the fullness of the kingdom that he has available for us. The fullness, not just a small measure. If we did a survey this morning and, and I asked the question, who wants the fullness of the inheritance that you have in Christ? Everyone would put up their hand. No one would want half measures. But sometimes we only receive half measures because of the hiddenness in our heart. Because of the stuff that's deep down that we don't allow his sanctifying blood and power to go to that place. And so I want to encourage you this week, let him go there. Let him go there. Let him go there. I've, I've had the opportunity of knowing what I'm preaching on. I've already done it. I'm clean today. All right. But this is an everyday thing. When we live as sanctified believers, we carry a fresh authority because we don't have the enemy's fiery darts of guilt and shame and fear and anxiety stressing us out. 
He can't even get to that. He can't pull on that string anymore because it's not there. Why? Because we're sanctified in Christ today. We're sanctified in His blood and no fiery darts can get through the blood. Nothing can get through the blood. We're covered in His blood. And when we're living in that purity, we carry an authority, we carry a unity, we carry a power that we don't have otherwise. Oswald Chambers says this, tolerating a wrong attitude toward another person causes you to follow the spirit of the devil, no matter how saintly you are. This is not froth and bubble today, is it? I mean, it's, this is like real stuff. But uh, uh, Holy Spirit, as much as he wants to fill us with joy and power and life and healing and destiny and prophetic words and all of that good stuff, as much as we believe that stuff, we have to believe in the sanctifying work of his power as well. If we only believe in all the stuff that makes us feel good, makes us look better, and, and it may be a prophetic word that we just keep hanging on and hanging on and hanging on and hanging on, but we forget about the inner workings of the roots of our heart with the Spirit of God, then we only take one half of the equation. And so if you've ever wondered why there's continual blockages in your life, continual blockages here, and I've done this same analysis, why do I get blocked here? Why is that just maybe two or three times? When you can see a recurring pattern, two, three, four times of of getting to a point and then the bubble bursts somehow, somewhere. Ask the Holy Spirit, what is going on in my life? What is going on in my life? It's very easy to say, oh, That is the third person who has been offensive to me. That is the third, exactly the same thing they've said to me. The third person, those silly people. When all along Christ is shining the light on us, saying it's the third person who's been speaking the truth. You didn't want to hear it. I've had this before when we've, been, we've had some criticism and stuff and someone said to us um, that in every criticism there might even just be just 1% of truth. And I punched him in the eye and it was a great feeling and I didn't really, but <laughs> half of you would if, if I came up to you and you'd just been criticised. And someone came and said, well, in every criticism, there's a little bit of truth. I mean, you'd slap them, wouldn't you? You do not want to hear this, but the Holy Spirit wants to take us deeper than offence. He wants to take us wider than living a life where we only want the good stuff. Because if we only want the good stuff, we're going to be shallow Christians and we're not going to get the meat. We're just going to be on milk all the time on milk. And Paul says, go to the deeper stuff. You're still on salvation. You're still on all that basic stuff. You're still on repentance. You know what I mean? Paul wanted us to go deeper, deeper in Christ, deeper in the Word and to truly understand what it it is to live in that mystical relationship. I'm still getting my head around it. I'm 1% in. Ask me in 30 years' time how I'm going and maybe I'll be up to 20%. But That mystical union with Christ, he draws us into a life of purity. He draws us into a life of sanctification. And if we truly listen to him, he will challenge sin in our lives. He will challenge our wrong attitudes and he'll he'll bring about 
his life because he wants us bigger and better and stronger, more trusted, more influential. He wants our talents to have the full measure. He wants all of these things. That's his desire. But sometimes he has to bring us through our own frailty and our own sin. Romans 12, 2, pretty famous verse these days, says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's perfect will for you, which is a good and pleasing and perfect. If we only want to listen to the voice or the, the comforting thing, and hey, we all need that. We all need encouragement. I'm not, not dissing that. But what I'm, what I'm going for is an area that the Lord spoke to me about even in this week. And we were away for our um, anniversary this week, and it was great. We're in the wine region. We don't know a wine from a wine from grape juice, but we were there, and so it was a nice atmosphere. But that's what he was speaking to me about. Interesting when you get away, and what he, I thought he was going to give me some great word, journal out the next 10 years, and, you know, rah, rah, rah. And he speaks to me about sanctification. And I said, what does that mean, Lord? What does that mean? So... It's a journey, daily, daily journey of sanctification. I want to pose a a couple of questions for you to wrap this thing up. Here's the questions that I ask myself. I make sure I do some good self-analysis on a regular basis because I want to stay right with him. I want to be in a place where if I meet Jesus and and I picture him in the room where he's actually going to smile and he's actually going to say, hey, you're, you're listening. You're listening. And that's, that's a good place. And so here's a few questions I sort of review on myself just randomly. Do I listen to the quiet spirit conscience? Am I teachable? How do I react when offended? And that, that one's a big one, especially if there's 1% of truth in it. It's the last thing you want is for someone who's just gone and dissed you and criticized you or offended you to actually be right in a small portion. Normally, it's not right in a whole portion because there's emotion, there's passion, there might be anger, there might be whatever else. But how do I respond? Will I diss the whole thing or will I hear the element of truth? The element of truth, that still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, come on, it's time to get past this. It's time to grow It's time to get bigger than offense. It's time to get bigger than just washing aside all that and saying, oh, they were wrong, they were wrong, that was wrong, that was wrong. But actually taking on, as Oswald Chambers says, taking on a spirit of God that actually says, Lord, look at my attitude. Look at my character. Look at my lifestyle. Look at my areas. When we do that, we become so big in Christ. When we look at our own weaknesses and not at everyone else's, we become giants in the kingdom. Giants. Because he actually looks at us in our humility and he loves humility, doesn't he? Don't you love humble people? It's just, I mean, it's, it's great. When you see, so I'm a Roger Federer fan. For those of you who follow tennis, you'll know who Roger Federer is. And um, I mean, he's, he's the best tennis player to ever play the game. 
And yet he gets the microphone and he's congratulating his opponents. He's never swearing. He's never big noting himself. He's worth like 250 million or more. And yet, in fact, I think it's half a billion now, but it just goes up every year. But, you know, the guy is the most successful uh, tennis player of all time. And yet his speech is so humble and, and it's a really godly trait. It's a really godly trait. And there's an element of self-awareness in that. When we're humble, we bring ourselves before Christ. We allow his sanctifying work. It brings about a humility. Why? Because we know our own weaknesses. We know our limitations. We don't put condemnation on anyone else because we know that we don't even want to look in that direction lest we fall into the same sin. We don't want to judge anyone in that situation. So we have a posture of humility and guarding our spirit in sanctification. And when we live in that sanctification, we actually become really, really big believers. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. The opposite to that is if we recognize our sin and we recognize our Savior and we live in his sanctification for us, we know the truth and we live in the truth and we can speak the truth. We can operate in the truth. And when we live and operate like that, the enemy can't get us. Those doubts, those fears, those arrows, he cannot get us. And so my encouragement today is think about sanctification this week. Think about your proper place, your proper state of mind, of spirit, your proper place being set apart and made holy. It's his desire for all of us that we would be made holy into his likeness, renewed minds, getting bigger and better at everything he's got for us. That's the inheritance that we all have. An increasing of our talents, not a decreasing. That's the kingdom of God, isn't it? I want you to stand today and I want to just... Thanks, guys. I maybe should have a really, really nice joke or something to wrap that up with. But you know what? Sometimes the Holy Spirit wants to take us deep, doesn't he? He actually wants a clean bride full of his power and his love. And so once a year I'll do this. (laughs) Otherwise we wouldn't have a church. But, you know, he, he, he loves us so much that he wants us to become like him. He wants us to be pure and spotless. He wants us to be entrusted with greater and greater inheritance. That's what he has for all of us. So lift your hands if you want that today. I just want to pray over us. Lord, we thank you for your word, which is sharp. It's very sharp sometimes. And Lord, we thank you for deeper roots. We pray in our lives today, Lord, any sin, any hidden stuff, any distractions, any stuff that is not of you, anything that's contrary to you, attitudes, heart postures, thoughts, whatever, motives, character, Lord, we put it out there today at the cross. We put it at your feet today, Lord Jesus, and we ask for your cleansing blood to wash it from us. Sanctify us again. Make us holy. Make us pure. And Lord, we just give those things to you today. Some might need to take a minute. You might have a whole bag full of things you want to wheel down the front or whatever. I don't know. Uh, Just joking. Don't come down the front. Don't want to make a deal of you. But Lord, we take this time to give those things to you. Lord, if there's people that we 
still harbour resentment toward. Lord, we just lay them at the cross today. We don't even know how to forgive sometimes, but it's right to do it, so we do it. We take control over our own mind and spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We lay those things before you today in the power of your cross, knowing that you have defeated the enemy in every area. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We do that today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and fill us up with a fresh awareness of the voice of God, the voice of your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we pray that you would make us bigger. Help us to invest more in the kingdom, to hear your voice, to know your calling, to not be offended at those things of yesteryear, but to be bigger and better in Christ. Lord Jesus, we pray today for an upgrade an upgrade in Jesus, an upgrade, bigger and better, able to think higher, not be a clunker and backfire as soon as there's a situation going on. But Lord, we can cruise through situations with a fresh anointing, fresh anointing of the Spirit, knowing who we are and whose we are. Holy Spirit, fill us up today with that fresh, mature anointing. Lord, even as a, as a church family, I pray for an upgrade, a fresh anointing on this house, fresh anointing on every man, every woman, every child, Lord Jesus, to be greater in the kingdom, eating meat, Lord Jesus, in that kingdom, the deep stuff of the kingdom, letting go of all the other stuff. Holy Spirit, help us. We need your help in this. Lord, I pray, Jesus Christ, that you'd be in us. You'd be on our right, on our left, in front and behind, above and below us. Lord Jesus, you would be in us. You'd be in everyone who sees us and thinks of us. Lord, we decree blessing over every enemy. We decree blessing over our streets, our families. In Jesus' name, amen.